Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's WandaVision. Oh, this is going to be a gas! All right, we made it, everyone. We made it to 2021, and more importantly, we made it to Marvel Phase 4. My name is Nate, and as if you weren't getting enough weirdness from 2020, we have this show ready to serve it up to you uh, in a TV dinner. Uh, We're going to break down all that weirdness and give you our thoughts on this series premiere and its second episode. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like Book Club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched it yet, make sure to do so and then be back here in a snap. Before we dive into everything, let me introduce you to my fellow trapped souls. I um, I mean, <clears throat> co-hosts. Uh, we have the J. Jonah juggernaut of juicy genticulation, Justin. Yo, happy new year. Happy new year. Friggin' 16 days into the new year. <laughs> Dude, genticulation, by the way, means breakfast or to have breakfast. So I thought that was fitting. Uh, and trapped in a screen next to him, we have... The Korg of Krilarian Controversial Convictions, Kevin Hudson. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Hey? Oh, 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 that was my best Korg. Sorry. That's your best, <laughs> That's your best I wish I hadn't done that. Good start to the year already. <laughs> Good start already. Well, guys, how are you doing this fine, fine evening? Doing good. Doing great. Yeah. Excited to talk about this show. Right. Excited to be back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Speaking of being back... Um, I got to know, how amazing did it feel to see that Marvel fanfare opening for the first time in over a year? Good point. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it was fun. I would give points, though, to Star Wars, though, for creating a more condensed TV version uh, of the Star Wars logo. Because <laughs> We're do already, think that we're already little... getting critical. Wow. I thought this was, I expected this from Kevin, but not from you, Justin. For the first episode, sure. <laughs> but then when we get into the second episode, it's like it's the same thing. Like the, the front end and the back end, so your credits on the front and the back are very yeah. bloated. They're a, a big chunk of these yeah. episodes, right? Yeah. Um, so... You know, and I actually love the Marvel fanfare, especially because it's constantly changing. If it was the same thing we'd been seeing for 10 years. Super cool to see that. And then to see it go gray and the audio to get all compressed. Freaking loved it. So, guys, before we dive into the details of the episode, overall, I just want to know, like, your your surface level uh, thoughts on on the show on the first episode so far. Kevin. I mean, I was excited for the show, but, you know, didn't obviously know what to expect because that trailer is just so sort of, um, you know, very vague, almost in in terms of what we're going to be seeing. And then again, um, pleasantly surprised and didn't really expect the episode to go the way that it did. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll break down that idea more when we sort of start talking about the episode. But uh, overall, I was instantly in i kind of instantly figured out what they were doing and uh i can't wait to see where they go with it very cool justin i'm hooked i think i think it was very smart to do episode one and episode two at the same time they they both they both feed into the same story to kind of set up for what we are going to anticipate for the rest of the season which i'll explain further as we get get into it but yeah i just i'm hooked i'm ready to i'm ready to get into the weird i think it's it's a bold bold take to to do it and you know just you know little cracks at the seams that we've been able to see these two episodes it's it's going to be interesting to see when when things start to break and we see the other side so yeah yeah i mean if if you had told me right after coming out of the theaters for age of ultron like if you had taken a time machine and gone back in time been like nate 
there's going to be a show about Wanda and Vision and you're going to be excited about it, I would be like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, the, you know, I, I've never really thought of those characters um, to be as intriguing as they're making them in this show. And I'm so excited. 100% uh, on like that Like you guys idea. to see where, right? To see where it goes. And um, and I think, yeah, to the, to the idea of putting both these episodes back to back, I think it was a really smart decision just based on how they're shot. And of course, we're going to get into the cinematography in a little bit. Um, I'm sure, Justin, you've probably got some stuff to say about that. Um, but guys, let's let's dive right into the right into the plot. We're going to go beat by beat, just like we normally do in these Watch Club episodes. Um, so getting into the first episode, we see the newlywed couple driving into town uh, during the opening song. And uh, Wanda, um, you know, kind of cleaning plates with her powers. She accidentally smashes one over <laughs> Vision's head. Uh, and they discover a little heart on the calendar. And both of them can't remember what's so special about the date of August 23rd. Uh, she mentions to Vision to not forget uh, in reference to his appearance. He shakes his head, he changes into a human vision and goes off to work. So guys, right off the bat, um, we can see how, how much the show is clearly playing off you know, the Dick Van Dyke show, the I Love Lucy show. Um, how do you guys feel uh, you know, about the shift in tone for the MCU? I think it's really neat, especially because we know it's not what, like, uh, how do I say this? I saw some people critiquing the show already and it's, well, I don't want to watch some stupid fifties version of a, and it's like, you know, fifties version of a Marvel story. It's like, you don't get it. That's not what this is. That's not what this is going to be. Um, And honestly, having grown up watching reruns of shows like I love Lucy, and then we'll see things like bewitched next and, and who knows Mm -hmm. what the the next few decades are going to show us. But Watching those with my dad, because, I mean, my dad's a TV junkie now, but back in the day, all he would watch was reruns of shows he watched growing up as a kid. Right. So I watched more of those than I probably would have liked to at the time. But <laughs> to see how well they actually did what they were oh doing in gosh. these episodes, like every piece of dialogue, the way it's filmed, the little mistake, just everything is just so well done. I, I really dug. I was like instantly like, wow, this is so well done. Justin. Uh, so, yeah, the shift in tone for for this is it, it, it's refreshing it's it's different um it's not it's not typical i think when we get into things like you know uh winter soldier and, and falcon series i think we'll see a little bit maybe more of that traditional spy thriller marvel sure. cinematic universe but this is really nice this is this is a great way to to introduce this this idea of a dream of of a of a, a, a an imaginary world something that's built uh that has its own holes, right? And and it kind of does pay respect to to sitcoms and 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 the tradition of sitcoms, but also calls into question this the disillusion of some of them, right? Like right, the idea right. of the American dream and the idea of what perfection looks like, and that's what she's building. And you know, yeah. like it, it's it's just there's just there's just a lot of layers to them using that using this format and continuing to use this format as they evolve through the through the season um into different generations but i think the main thing uh is that it, it stayed true to the traditions of sitcom which was refreshing and i and i really enjoyed it like they they just they really leaned hard into the those those 50 style dick van dyke yeah. i love lucy and, style and characters and like huge huge shout out to 
to Marvel for for taking you know another risk, and I think that's kind of something that you know I've talked about in the past on the podcast, like how much I wish Star Wars would take risks like this, how much I wish you know we would get different genres of Star Wars, kind of like how we already have gotten different genres of Marvel. So to see this um, is just another refreshing take on these characters, and huge shout out to uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany for being able to play those characters in this way. Um, I know there was some consultation with Dick Van Dyke himself to try to understand a little bit more about how this show would look and feel. And um, I just love that they went to that. And I I, got to say, like, I love the one-liners, right? That they're these jokes that are cute and somewhat ominous at the same time. Like, okay, so when Vision walks in and the plate hits him in the head, Wanda says, my husband and his indestructible head, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) too soon, too soon, Wanda. Um, You know, and like, um, I, I just I, the entire time I'm sitting there and I'm watching the show that is is like a an old you know 60s sitcom, but I'm sitting on the edge of my seat thinking like, okay, what does that dialogue mean? What does that you know what does that mean there? Like the fact that Vision, um, you know, says that he can't forget anything and then he immediately forgets something and they play it off as a laugh, but I'm like, I'm like, no, but that probably means that that's not actually real Vision, right? Like so again, I just. I love the Truman Show vibes. I love the vibes of like Pleasantville sort of playing into this. And we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that. But, oh, man, I'm so on board. I'm so happy they're going weird with it. Um, then, very abruptly, we meet Agnes, played by Catherine Hahn. Uh, she gabs with Wanda and asks her a ton of questions uh, as they start to plan what Wanda thinks is her and Vision's anniversary. Uh, guys, how incredible is Catherine Hahn doing in this show? I mean... Like, come on. She was good. What? I'm not She's like amazing. I'm not like ready to give her an Emmy or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm always just giving Emmys away. I mean, yeah. I really like Catherine Hahn. Uh yeah. so I mean it's just kind of that's what I expect from her anyways. Mm, you mm. know. She's she's a fantastic actress, and she, just like the rest of the cast, really leans hard into her character. Having her on, it, it obviously there's a lot of like suspicion around what her character is and who her character is, and and I think they've they've already kind of hinted well, very subtly. Let's at get the into it. Yeah, stuff. what do you think? We'll talk more about her character, sure. but yeah, she was fantastic. She was I just want to quickly again another line, and again, this whole show is making me just sit on the edge of my seat, like going over every line of dialogue, reading everything in the background. Um, and the line that she she introduces herself with, right? Like Wanda introduces herself and then she says, Wanda, charmed. And I'm just like, damn, like they are, they're so good at like putting all these little hints everywhere. Um, and it's so much fun as a Marvel fan to sort of, uh, you know, rip all these things apart. So we, we move to Vision's, uh, we see Vision at work. Uh, he's doing his computations extremely fast because again, He's essentially a computer, and uh, he's reminded by his boss, Mr. Hart, that they have dinner plans, and his future in the company depends on how well this dinner goes. We get this fantastic exchange uh, between Vision and Wanda over the phone, uh, where they both don't know exactly what the other one is talking about, which is such a Lucy and Desi thing uh, to do there. Um, And then, guys, we get this ad break for the Toastmate 2000 by Stark Industries. Guys, this is our first somewhat in-universe advertisement in the MCU. What did you guys think about the ad for the Toastmate 2000? Well, I think it's it's interesting that it's it's a Stark product because a Stark product killed her family and the ticking noise oh, yeah. was very reminiscent of a bomb. Oh yeah, um, I didn't even catch that. 
the the little subtle light of color from the light blinking on the toaster and that anticipation of, of waiting for the toast to go off it's it's to symbolize in my opinion it, it harkens back to her story of them waiting for the bomb to blow up uh wow. in their house of of sarkovia and also just the end line um forget your past this is your future so she's this that in in itself is what this show is about is her forgetting her past and building a new future uh so i think that commercial is actually very integral in terms of like just kind of depicting an overall view of what what we're anticipating for this show um and and yeah it's it's interesting that that they they're implementing that those characters are are very interesting as well because they they really do kind of capture the Lucy Ball and uh, sorry I can't remember the other actor's name who plays Desi Arnaz yeah Desi Arnaz yeah who play and you know they're the, the, just the look of it like they they kind of embodied a little bit more of that style mm-hmm. uh, whereas the sitcom was very much Dick Van Dyke style right so for sure Kevin would you buy a Toastmate two thousand um well I mean like aside from the messaging like the the Easter eggs and the sort of subtlety of that that the the commercial you know the purpose of it it really did go to show you what television and advertising was like at the time i mean the tone of the whole show that episode really does that you know where you know the the role of women in the house and how you know uh and i just thought that was sort of a neat small little theme throughout the episode really hammered in with that commercial there was a show in the in the fifties or sixties that uh it would always in the opening there would be a scene of the father smoking cigarettes um in the front door uh, like when he came in and they would show like a very nice product shot. And apparently like that was sort of a bit of a source of inspiration, like embedding a product into, you know, to, to Kevin's point to draw on this idea of like marketing and advertising and how that was also booming at the same time yeah. as, as this whole television and sitcom mentality and that sort of idea. So very smart for them to do that. And I, I appreciate the fact that there was like Easter eggs in that. So. Yeah. Like you, you hear the repulsor sound, right? When they yep. put the toast down, yeah. you just hear that subtle. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa! Like, it's just, again, like, just such a smart way to do this. I'm so excited. Oh, anyways. Um, <laughs> so, guys, we get to the dinner, and hijinks ensue as they try to do everything they can to impress the hearts. Um, and, uh, and you know, there's all sorts of craziness going on, and um, we get vision you know playing on the that was great that guitar, was great when, he, when he's singing e-i-e-i-o yeah. like with them and then he turns over and he looks at at mr hart and doesn't say anything and it, that felt like a very sitcom moment paul bettany did his research you know what i mean he watched dick van dyke i think very very closely and and you know like found his own mannerisms of of how he can you know bring some of that in and it, i don't know that scene there really just to me was like that's a sitcom right the the whole situation obviously is very sitcom oriented right forgetting your boss is coming over for dinner and all this sort of stuff it's like right out of an episode of bewitched basically right, right? exactly where she yeah, uses yeah. her magic to she you know i'm sure that happened a dozen times where there was some for sort sure. of meal or something she had to clean yeah. up quickly or whatever you know and that was very reminiscent of that but i so much of this is about the writing too because you know it's more than just making the show black and white and going, look, it's I Love Lucy, you know, like right. to, to the way they're phrasing sentences and staging yes. these situations, yes. not in a current way, but in that sort of 50s sitcom 50s. way. It's just so clever. You 100%. know, I almost as, I as great as the actors are doing, I almost think this would be so easy given how much effort and just from every angle they're putting into to making this be so authentic. Well, yeah, and I think that speaks volumes too about the idea of like 
the f- how they shot it. Like they shot it in the original, like in an original studio mm-hmm. that was shot for sitcoms with an, a live studio audience. They fully embraced the medium that they were that they were recreating. So I think that that's that's absolutely fantastic. Like it just it means that they were really paying attention to it feeling as authentic as possible. And with the writing, like Kevin, you were pointing out, like how they've articulated things, it just felt of that time. And you even see it in the cinematography, right? Like the they didn't use they at no point in time would they use shots to film it that they couldn't actually achieve at that time um, until the illusion breaks and then we get this really unsettling moment where Mr. Hart is choking, right? And Mrs. Hart keeps saying, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. And getting more and more upset until Wanda says, vision, help him. And this is where we actually see our first moment of sort of this break of their sitcom reality into our reality. And you see the camera, you know, again, sort of get different angles that you would never see in a 1960s sitcom, right? Um, And so, guys, what are your thoughts on this moment? Uh, The interesting thing is that Mrs. Hart is looking right at Wanda and saying, stop it. Yes. Stop it. That moment where it breaks is so integral for us to understand. While she doesn't understand everything, she's still 100% in control of that world. And yeah, to your point, uh, Justin, you know, she looks right at Wanda because Wanda is the one that's choking him. I, I just, I love how how subtle it is, but at the same time, how, how freaking scary it is. And, uh, and then she chooses to, to allow him to live. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, such a cool moment in the show. I mean, while, while it is her illusion, uh, I don't think she is entirely in control. She's really isolated herself in this imaginary world and things going on outside, you know, I think are out of her control. So it's kind of going to be that struggle for her, obviously. And she's going to lose that over time. Um, guys, right after that, uh, Mr. Hart, all of a sudden, you know, he gets saved by Vision and then they're just like, well, look at the time. I got to go. And then they leave. And there's that great moment where Mrs. Hart's like, interesting door knocker. And you oh, see yeah, the lobster on the front yeah, of the yeah, door. Yeah. Uh, Wanda and Vision sit on the couch together and decide that today is their anniversary. Their song is Yakety Yak, naturally. Yeah, yeah. And Wanda <laughs> makes uh, makes two rings appear on their finger and we get that audience, you know, ah, oh, moment. Um the credits roll and the camera pans back, revealing a sword operative monitoring the show. Guys, sword is now confirmed in the MCU. We got a glimpse of what might have been the peak base for sword in Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, but uh, but guys, sword in the comics, just so everyone knows, a little insight here, uh, stands for Sentient World Observation Response Division. But in the show, and I guess in the MCU proper, it's now going to stand for Sentient Weapon observation response division so uh in this case obviously the sentient weapon is probably wanda um i would assume guys um do you guys think i'm on to something do you think sword is 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 um monitoring wanda because she is a sentient weapon or and what are your thoughts on bringing sword into the show well so i i don't think that that's like a huge surprise i think everyone kind of called a lot of that knowing from from far from home that it you know that was probably sword's base and with all the stuff that the trailers and the breakdowns people were like okay sword is definitely going to be integral and with the idea that secret invasion is going to be coming up there's going to be a long connectivity um but it's interesting to see you know some of the people that we we haven't yet been introduced to uh how they're going to be connected to sword Mm. um so you know uh the agent played by um, yeah. Randall Park. Again, he's we know he's in it. Um, who else? The Cat Dennings. Yeah, Cat Dennings, Darcy Lewis. Yeah, Darcy Lewis is going to be in it. So 
you know, we where our assumption is is that they they are worth sword, right? Yeah. I mean, we know that shield is now absolved and, and it's gone, and sword is going to probably become this new thing, and, and and as a reaction to what had happened in Endgame with Thanos and everything like that. So, uh, it's not a huge surprise, but uh, I think what's interesting is that they're able to observe what she's seeing. So to me, just it's crazy. I, like I want to figure out how are they able to sit there and watch what she's what's going on in her mind, right? So right. that's going to be that's the more interesting thing for me uh, about that scene. Kevin, what are your thoughts on uh, on Sword joining the MCU? You know, this was this was coming. This was you know, you know, this is the next logical step for the the franchise as a whole. I mean, you're 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 done with Shield, and you need sort of these new elements to be brought in, right? So so this was it wasn't that shocking. I mean, people were talking about that being the whole sort of base of this from the get go. So, but it was well done, and it was a cool reveal and. Like I like the the almost uh, subtle little bits and pieces of the puzzle that we're gonna get every episode. The only thing that they make I wish all ten came out right away because I would have just binged all ten straight, you know. Because to get just such a little tease, you just want more, and so I think that's the that's smart way to clever. do it. Yeah. yeah, it's the smart way to do it. Like, because like again, you know. <clears throat> You're 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 still very much a part of like traditional serial television, right? Like you'll you'll watch your weekly shows. So it's like, you know, if a show does leave you with that cliffhanger, you know, it's fun, right? Like to have to wait a week just to get to that, right? Like even though now everything is so immediate, this keeps the story refreshing and exciting because you can't just jump to the next episode and binge nine hours worth and then just be like, Oh, that was great, and then forget about it. You forget right. about a lot of details over runs like that when you binge for sure. So yeah. this one will allow you to sort of absorb everything as it comes and and digest it before you get another the uh you know i think i'm 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 maybe even a little more excited as to what sword means going forward in the mcu than i even have even am for this show but uh speaking of going forward normally at the end of each of these watch club episodes we like to predict where the show is going to go where the series is going to go but seeing as this week as we are reviewing two episodes uh we're going to hold off on our predictions until the very end so guys i just need to know for episode one what are your final thoughts and score uh which will be on a scale of one to five toastmate 2000s justin go I'll give this a solid 4.75 on the uh, uh, toaster, 2000 toaster, whatever that <laughs> Very was. Very specific. Um, yeah, because yeah. rookie, rookie, rookies with the rounded numbers, you know what I mean? You got you to have those. You're always saying that. Scores. I know. You got it, buddy. You got I'll it. even go 7, 5, 3, 4, 6. <laughs> okay, just, just to really kind of give you a gut. No, just joking. Um, but anyways. Love this episode. I think I think it's a great way to introduce this idea of um, a broken dream. Uh, what I anticipate is going to be a broken dream. Um, I'm excited to see the sci-fi weirdness, the corners of the uh, MCU. Uh, great, great outing for first episode one. Very cool. Kevin, what is your score on a scale of one to five Toast Me 2000s? Um, I got to say, uh, I, I, I really, really enjoyed uh the episode and and it instantly got me excited for what this this could potentially be uh really enjoyed a lot of of what's going on thought it was a really solid start uh i think people who maybe don't get it need to give it a few more episodes and you'll sort of see um, by then yeah what's going on a little bit better and and maybe be able to appreciate that but uh yeah I, i think i'm just really excited to see what they parody or pay homage to while telling this other story at the same time as they go forward. So I would give it, I'm going to start 
because it's just the first episode, so I want to leave myself room on both sides. I'm going to go with a solid 4.5. 4.5 out of 5? 4.5 Stark Toasters. (laughs) Wow. All right, that's a lot higher than I thought you'd go. Um, I think this episode did exactly what it needed to, right? Like, it established the tone, it established the theme. Uh, As we mentioned, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, and I think Catherine Hahn are all doing some incredible performances. Um, I would I would give this episode a little bit less only because we didn't get a ton in terms of plot, right? Like a lot of really good things to set us up, to ease us into this strange new world. Um, and as I said, it makes Wanda and Vision instantly more likable as characters. Um, I, again, I never thought I could care so much about these characters. Um, I'm so intrigued to see where it goes. I can't wait to see what the, you know, how it ties into the rest of the MCU overall. Um, but for this episode, I'm going to give it uh, a solid 3.5 Toastmate 2000s out of 5. Um, guys, let's move right into episode 2, shall we? Yes, um, let's do Cool. It. Diving right into the plot. We open uh, to Wanda getting... We have kind of a cold open for this episode, so a little bit different in terms of structure. We open to Wanda getting woken up by a loud noise outside their bedroom. She asks her husband if, uh, if he's using his night vision vision. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then the noise happens again, and, and Wanda uses her powers to, to open the window. They discover it's just a, a tree branch. Um, but, uh, but between then, she uses her powers to move the two beds together. Uh, they then proceed uh, to do some canoodling, uh, which is, you know, I think that's a clear nod to the fact that now the show is taking place in the late 60s instead of the late 50s, early 60s, because a lot of sitcoms back then were forbidden to show a couple in the same bed or even under the same blanket yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, um, So clearly, you know, um, a That's nod to... show to, our, our, our transition of time, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and, and you can tell the show's sort of shot a little bit differently. It's a little clearer looking. It's not as fuzzy. Uh, and then we get, guys, we get this fun new animated intro, which is clearly... Clearly bewitched. What did you guys think of this new opener? And did you catch any hints in it? Uh, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, very, very um, uh, bewitched. I dream of genie. That sort of idea. Um, right. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not an eagle eye for Marvel details, so uh, the Easter eggs I'm aware of were obviously, you know, in very nicely compiled internet articles that I was able to look at, but it's fun that they did throw them out there, but I'll leave it to you guys who might know a bit more about what those Easter eggs are. Justin, what did you think of the animation or sorry, the animated opening? Yeah, I thought the animated opening was, uh, was, was, was very spot on in terms of, you know, capturing again, another, another timeframe of, of sitcom history. Um, in terms of Easter eggs, yeah, I caught a few, like the sparkle at the first at the first clips of of when they did the stars. Yeah, it's like the Infinity Stones that kind of reminded me of that. There's six of them. Yeah, and then, and there's six Infinity Stones. Yeah, it's and gotta then, be Infinity and, Stones. Um, <laughs> well, because also they had the center one, right? Like it was just how yeah. it was orchestrated, like how the sparkle went around. Yeah. Um, I caught something that looked like um, a helmet. It almost looked like um, a helmet for Galactus. Was it not? Was is it Galactus? No, yeah. I, I don't think it was Galactus. Though I think I was thinking of um, who is Hela from Thor? Hela's no, no, Hela? no, no, no. That was no, in, the, it's, in the floorboard. But no, no, it's definitely more. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if it is Galactus. Or, it's not Galactus. It was someone else that I. I it actually, wasn't. It wasn't Hela though. No, yeah, it wasn't Hela either. It's like but a it reminded future me bad Hela, guy that they're uh, that they could be hinting at. Okay. Um, but yeah, I appreciate the fact that they they put those Easter eggs in there for fans yeah. to to kind of. 
kind of capture you know what i mean well, like especially some of the stuff like hinting at like agnes and stuff like that so yeah like did you guys notice the um the sign that they land to next to it says welcome to westview mm-hmm. and then in the lower third it says home it's where you you make it yeah. right which leads to the idea that you know either wanda or someone else is making this world and then for sure yeah um and then a really really deep cut i didn't know this i i saw this in an article but um in the background of the supermarket there's a sign for bova milk yeah. which is a, a deep reference to a bipedal cow character named Bova who raised Wanda and Pietro in the comics. Marvel comics got really weird in the old Yeah, but they movies. they brought that over. <laughs> they brought that over into the animated series. Like I was I la- like Bova be- was in the animated series? Yep. Yep. What? With with Pedro and, Wa- and Wanda. Really? Um, wow. And they the, she was the one raising them, right? Like all of <laughs> that so was weird. was legit and Magneto found out that he had kids and you know went and and discovered them with with this cow like thing. It was the weird thing. If so we yeah, get a live action genuine. Bova? No, 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 no. I'm cool with that being on a milk carton and staying there <laughs> as a nice little nod. Yeah. Uh, Really quickly, I believe the helmet, uh, people are saying it's actually um, very reminiscent of the Grim Reaper's helmet. Yes. Who's from uh, a run, a comic run on Vision. Oh. So, so and looking at pictures here. Oh, you're here, it right. Does, yeah. You know what? It's so similar because it's got uh, the it's Galactus the horny has thing. one. I could see he the helmet thing too. Yeah, it's all yeah. sort of, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Nice. Nice save there, Kevin. All right. Well, next we see Wanda and Vision practicing for the talent show to support Westview Elementary for the children for the children. Wanda sets off to go to her meeting with the town planning committee. But first, here's another loud boom outside the house. She walks out into her front yard only to discover a toy helicopter in her rose bushes and it's in color. Guys, what do you think this little helicopter is implying? Any guesses? And uh, did you catch that sword logo on it? Yeah, I think that was that was one of the like trailer reveals, like the Easter egg trailer things. Like, oh, look, it's there. Uh, but yeah, this was at least that affirmation that, yes, it's a sword logo again. Uh, I thought the color choice was interesting. Like, did anyone else think of Iron Man? Well, it like, was Iron yeah. Man. And I mean, yeah. Stark Industries is responsible for, you know, like you said. The bomb dropping, yeah. The That's bomb what dropping, I was thinking, right? too. So she's, yeah, yeah. he's obviously deeply rooted into her subconscious yeah absolutely yeah i think i think that that's that to me was where i connected why those colors showed up was was the same analogy that or the same reference from from the commercial in the first episode um but yeah it was very interesting this is where it gets a little pleasantville which i was kind of into i was like oh cool yeah, and you see, again, you see the cinematography shift, right? Like, you see them using dolly shots or crane shots that they wouldn't normally use in those those sitcoms. So, super cool to see that and, and, and just how, how, how really eerie it is. Like, it's so eerie every time that she interacts. But um, I have some theories as to where that helicopter came from. We're going to get into that. I'm going to get into that at the end of uh, this podcast, but uh, we'll, we'll keep moving on here. Um, after staring longingly at the helicopter, she's startled by Agnes once again, uh, who butts in and informs her just how important it is to impress Dottie, who is head of the planning committee. Wanda attempts to fit in with the rest of the ladies, but struggles to impress. Uh, this is where she meets Geraldine, uh, and they both mention they don't know how they, uh, how they got there or what they're doing there. Uh, of course, we know Geraldine is actually Monica Rambeau grown up. Um, so, guys, with these two scenes, do we get the feeling that Agnes is trying to keep Wanda on course here, right? Like, she kind of yes. feels like she's 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 steering the narrative in, in a certain direction. Um, right. What do you guys make of, of that? And also, what do you make of the Wanda-Geraldine-Monica Rambeau meeting? Kevin? Uh, yeah, I think uh, 
this is obviously just another sort of, you know, sort of a tease to the audience about what may or may not be going on and, and who the players in this weird little game that we're sort of in are going right. to be going forward. The introduction of Monica Rambo or uh, what was her name again? Her Geraldine. Name? Geraldine. Yeah. You know, we knew who her character was. It wasn't an, a big surprise uh, for me, but it was just nice to see her, you know, kind of in this world. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how her character unfolds. Uh, but that whole scene for me, you know, you were, you were, you were bringing up uh, Agnes. You're absolutely right. Like, I think this is where for me, I was seeing that she is 100 percent her guide, her teacher of of this witch wizardry sort of uh, thing who, you know, a lot of people online are connecting to this idea that she is um, is the the witch. Agatha Harkness. Harp. Anti-Agatha. Yeah. Anti-Agatha. Yeah, anti yeah. Yeah. So and I think that this like that there's this detail you know as her behaviors in the first two episodes they kind of allude to that right like she's yeah. guiding her and she's helping her but the one thing that stood out to me was when uh Dottie says uh honey the the devil's in the details yeah and then she follows up with uh that's not the only place because that devil character that they're referring to Mephisto who I think will 100 percent is is involved in this but might be like Agatha might be the conduit of that right now oh. like i think that that's what she's saying like that's not the only place the devil lives and it's yeah. in her right and i think that unraveling will happen in doctor strange i think we'll see um oh, you wow. know mefesto show up there because that's where you know uh wanda will next make her appearance so i think there's a lot hinting here that Ag you know agnes is, is definitely a guide and is is possessed and is 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 kind of maybe actually probably just as much in control of this world as Wanda is. I think I think you're you're definitely nailing it there. I think it's it's going to be it's interesting because she constantly references her husband and at least so far he's nowhere to be seen. seen and I yeah. think they, you know, again, that sort of is like that's also a trope on like sitcom televisions, right? Like I yep. I think back to like Frasier with uh with um what's his, Niles wife Niles. or whatever. Right. And, and he would always just talk to her over the phone or they did it in cheers and stuff as well. Like I, I think they, it's cool how they're able to work some of these things into the plot narratively while still staying on theme. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely Mephisto is, is going to show up. I think he's going to show up in the show, but, um, I, I but, think he, I think he could, but I, I honestly think though that, that Agatha is going to be more the front facing, you know what I mean? Like almost kind of like a possession. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. I think that she's really the 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 forefront and yes, Mephisto's behind her. Kind yeah. of. You know what I mean? Like, she is always she is always wearing that brooch. Yeah. Uh so yeah. far on in yeah. everything she like in the past two yeah. generations. I know we're only on episode two, but uh, but I think we're gonna continue seeing that. Um, so we then proceed to Westview Public Library, where Vision uh, forces his way into the neighborhood watch. After some gossip and laughs, Vision is offered a stick of big red chewing gum, which Yum. he eats and then proceeds to get uh, his insides all gummed up, as they like to say. Um, I, loved, I loved the one line where Vision says... Um, that gum is purely for mastication, and Herbert was like, "Ah, oh, no, uh, I, I, don't I don't use do that. it for that." Yeah. <laughs> I know, I laughed, I laughed out loud at that point. So <laughs> good, so good, so good. Um, and then, yeah, and then, like right after that, we get back to where you know the meeting has ended, and we get another one of these illusion-breaking scenes, right? Like um, Wanda's there; she has the privilege, quote unquote, to um, clean up, and Dottie is watching her. Um, Dottie says she's heard things about Wanda and her husband. 
And then the radio starts breaking. Uh, along with the illusion, we hear a voice from the radio saying, Wanda, Wanda, who's doing this to you, Wanda? Dottie asks, who is that? And then asks, who are you? And then the radio shorts out, causing uh, the glass in Dottie's hand to break, causing uh, some lacerations to her hand. And we see blood, again, red in color. Uh, Wanda wraps it up, and Dottie immediately just turns back into a, a normal normal Dottie. Um, guys, first off, who do you think was on the radio? And is, do you guys have any ideas to like who Dottie might be? Uh, well, I think I think it's Randall Park's character on the radio. No, Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo. Okay. Yeah. I think I think that. I mean, it definitely sounds like him. Yeah. Um, I I didn't confirm this myself, but I did see somewhere that they had put it as um, the subtitles had revealed that it was uh, it was Jimmy Woo. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think if that's the case, you know, obviously he's trying to save Wanda, and then. You know, do you guys think Dottie is is maybe is she on the same side or is she? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's hard to say who any of these characters really are. Um, obviously, if we're being introduced to them, they're going to be integral. Mm-hmm. Um, could they be people that are on the outside of this world that she has somehow made contact with at some point, and she's now representing them in her own disillusioned mm. world, or are they representations of? Agatha or Agnes's world, you know what I mean? Like, it's really hard to say. But the 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 interesting piece is that there must be something to Dottie's character because there is a break. There's a causality to that break. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a connectivity that starts to break at the, the you see the cracks and the radio and and everything just starts to happen. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but every so often I thought I saw color just in Wanda's eyes. Like just her eyes, really. Like just a little bit of red or brown or or something. Like just 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 it was. It seemed very like I. I you have to go back and watch it, but yeah. Um, I, I noticed it. I, I paused. I was like, yeah, that looks like there could be a little bit of color, the subtlest amount of color. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder if you know again insinuating the fact that she's, you know, while she doesn't fully understand what is going on, she is in control. I think she spiked that thing to just short out. Because she was not wanting to deal with it. Interesting. Right? So she caused it to. Oh, okay. She caused it to spark. Okay. Now yeah. I almost wondered. Like I don't know if every character we see has to be somebody. Because I mean, how many new characters are they going to? Or you know yeah. what I mean? Outside characters are they really going to throw at us? Like maybe Dottie isn't somebody else. It's yeah. her conscience and her her doubts. That you know, she knows that it's fake deep, deep down, and so these accusations that she's getting are like her own self doubt and conscious yep. saying, This yep. isn't real, this isn't real. Who, exactly. you know, what are you trying to f- do here? Who are you trying yep. to fool? You could almost imagine Dottie as maybe being uh, a woman on a commercial that Wanda saw when she was a little kid exactly. growing up in Chicago. Oh, sure. Right? Oh, yeah. Every yeah. everything is is that sort of idea. Yeah. But I mm-hmm. think the the messaging there of of this of Dottie ask you know sort of being aware of the illusion suddenly you know before snapping back to to her character is uh, her her inner 
voice saying this isn't real this isn't real who you know who are you fooling i do think though if they do if these characters are meaningful and we see them outside in the in the other side of the world you know in in the real world seeing them that'll that'll definitely be really cool to see who they are and what what they symbolize right so you know it's not to say that they wouldn't matter or they don't matter but i do like the idea that they're just they're just players in your game do you know what i mean like they're just they're they're part of the world building right so so then we we get to uh we get to another ad break Right, we have the same two people from last time. This time, promoting the Strucker watch, and you know, Strucker, he'll make time for you. Um, I'm really hoping they do an ad break like this in in every single episode. What did you guys catch from the Strucker ad? Well, I, I think it's it's symbolic of sort of the probably the closest thing to maybe a father figure she could have had, right? Right, As someone who actually made time for her and you know treated her and made her feel special. Oh wow, right? yeah, because she was special, right? She had these these innate abilities. So I think that, that that calls into question, you know, for lack of, of terminology, a slight little bit of daddy issues that she might have. Interesting. Right, that her character might have. And, you know, the the Hydra symbol obviously struck her, you know, being conflicted with what was what was good and what was right versus, you know, morally, you know, having those challenges. Um yeah, I don't know. It's, now can uh, you can you correct cool. something for me? Baron von Strucker died like really quickly. Yep. In the actual MCU. Ultron, right? Ultron like, killed him in his prison cell, apparently. Right. So. Okay. Okay. So he's not, he can't come back, maybe in a flashback or something, but. Probably. But, you yeah. know, if Vision's back, then, you know, anything's possible. That's true. I guess. That's true. So we then oh, well, just, see. No, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Just sorry. really quickly, uh, there yeah. is um, uh, 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 a small little Easter egg um, within uh, the, 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 clock, the watch itself. Go for uh, it. It's yeah. pointing to uh, 242. Um, uh, and people believe that's in reference to, uh, an Avengers, uh, issue 242. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's already been quite like stated in the credits that all the writers and illustrators have been credited. So their stories are taking place in this greater story of what oh, they're cool. doing. And it shows the fact that Marvel, what Marvel's doing is they're obviously looking at the pool of comics that they have and with the writers and they're saying they're pulling from everything. But I like that they're not fully just replicating the comics right of they're, course we'll take yes, a little bit yeah. of this we'll take a little bit of that yeah i mean that's they're what making their own so recipe well with marvel right yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah exactly they're making their own um, recipe they're sprinkling in everything and i think that that's smart yeah and then and then we we see the talent show take place uh <laughs> and wanda discovers that vision isn't all himself um he's a little drunk uh she attempts to explain the strange in- incidents with the helicopter and with dotty but before either of them have any time to explain what's going on it's their turn to perform guys who knew i had no idea that paul bettany was so good at comedy um if you guys seen him in a comedic role before i i don't i, yeah, can't I saw him in one. da vinci's code and i thought that was pretty funny so was oh, he? Boo. um no i think though that like again this goes into the idea like as we were talking about with the previous episode the level of research i, I gotta say i was really surprised with elizabeth olsen's performance as well just the the cuteness and the sort of you know the very sort of that that suburban housewife approach to her character like yeah. she did she does such a great job uh at leaning really into that character and, and i think paul bettany does the same thing wholeheartedly just leans into that comedy um it, it, it was a standout for sure oh, such a good scene Oh yeah, I think I think uh, this might be you know aside from the the little snippets of of unsettling that we get because those are mm-hmm. just so powerful that they are they stand out the most for me over the two episodes. But this was my favorite scene that they've done, yeah. uh, not just because it was such a good homage to that sort of goofy situational comedy that would have been present 
in a show during the the mid 60s um but that it was also so well done that it was just fun to watch as a scene not just as an homage to an old sitcom scene but as a scene that would be funny in 2020 it was just such a great sort of riff on that idea i just thought it was so well done and you couldn't wait for the next trick and like it was just it, it was a lot of fun how they did it because it plays with both right it plays with both breaking the illusion and maintaining the the 60s sitcom fun right like and all the all the the lines in it like that was my grandmother's piano. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy's, or like, that like guy's that guy. great in the background, the mustache oh, man. man. Oh, yeah. Yo, he gets fired from his job that yeah. Vision assumedly takes, and then he loses his grandmother's piano. Or like, um, is that how mirrors work? And she's just like, shut up, Beth. <laughs> like, it's so well done. Um, did you guys catch the cabinet of mystery? Uh, or as Vision said, the cabinet of mystery. Um, well, that look like Vision's mind stone. Do you see the like, mind stone on the front, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, and then we also get that moment where Dottie says you know for the children and all of them very creepily respond for the children um you know and I think we're you know we'll we'll, well we'll get into that as to what happens uh right now um they end up winning the top prize as the most hilarious act and uh and then proceed back to their residence uh to relax on the couch Wanda thinks she needs to get some popcorn and uh she stands up and all of a sudden she's pregnant uh, she asks Vision, is this really happening? And he responds with, yes, my love, this is really happening. It's all very sweet. But then they hear a loud boom and they walk out to the road where the cinematography changes yet again to reveal a beekeeper <laughs> climbing out of a manhole. Uh, and he looks at Wanda and she just says, no. Everything all of a sudden rewinds all the way back to where she asks Vision if this is really happening. He responds, they kiss, everything starts turning to color, and the episode ends and we hear that voice over the radio. We hear Jimmy Woo again saying, who's doing this to you, Wanda? Guys, I need your theories, I need your thoughts, and and also I need your thoughts on how terrifying it was to see the beekeeper come out of the manhole. I was getting, you know, it vibes. Um, Kevin, what did you think of this beekeeper? Uh, Yeah, I know, it was absolutely creepy, and I think... In reality, it was probably uh, somebody in a hazmat suit. Yes, uh, and then sense. you know, and she imagined it as the beekeeper, and and uh, yeah, I, I just I hope that you know, in this episode, we got two instances of, or maybe even three little reality, you know, Breaks. smashing through, and so I hope in the next one, it's more. I think like I can almost see that you know, until we finally just break into where the real world Wanda actually is like I, I'm yeah. excited like and I look forward to those little moments because they're so well done and very they are they're legit scary so legit scary. unsettling it's very well done and a nice new tone that they're introducing to the the universe uh that obviously I think they're going to explore a lot more with Doctor Strange but this is a great way to introduce that sort of yeah. uh you know element into if Doctor the, Strange the is thing. anything like these scenes i'm so excited for dr strange yeah you know the beekeeper coming out with the big sword symbol on his back uh, you know Mm -hmm. very very you know i think kevin's right it's probably a hazmat suit but again this is the instance that i was referencing before where it shows that she's in control you know she says no and rewinds and goes back to her happy little moment the part of her dream that she was enjoying seeing the cracks of reality show it is very eerie and it is very uh 
unsettling, but also exciting because you want to know what is going on on the other side. And I think next episode, we'll see. We'll see that. We'll see that. We'll see like a full break, but then it'll snap back pretty quick, I think. Yeah, I can't. I... I'm very excited. I'm very jealous because I know some friends of mine who have already gotten to see, see the third episode and they're just like, just wait, dude. And I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> um, but uh, but guys, um, that's the episode. What are your final thoughts on the episode? And uh, and then again, can you give your review score on a scale of one to five struckers? Uh, I'd, uh, so I, I, I think this was, again, as I was saying at the beginning of the episode, I think it was great that they did these two back to back. They're obviously both black and white. Uh, the time shift is 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 noticeable, but minimal at the same time in terms of like the look, right? Going from a Dick Van Dyke to very much more the Bewitched. new modern, yeah, yeah the new yeah. age sort of what was going to be a sitcom family, uh, bewitch style, if you will. Um, and then, you know, obviously breaking at the end there and transitioning us to color. I think that, you know, that really just now sets the precedence. We've gotten where we've moved past the black and white. It's now Technicolor. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how where they go with that. I think I enjoyed the first one a lot more than really? this one. Yeah. Okay. I think even though that like some of the, the, the there was a little bit more plot elements and there's a couple other things that are very, um, well, just to me at least, that seem very obvious in terms of like a direction that they might be going with the, with the narrative. Um I really enjoyed out of the from the first one just the level of of focus to it being uh, traditional to that that style of sitcom. Yeah. And, and not to say I didn't appreciate the performances and stuff in this one. It's just I think there was there was more consideration and admiration for that in in the first one that was very apparent um, from the acting to the the aesthetic to everything. Um, so I'd give this one I think uh, probably solid four point five eight seven six. Um, on my uh, Struckers. Yeah, I, I think it was great. Cool. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, uh, I think I almost appreciated that they they stepped slightly away from the, the sort of ham bone over the top accents of that first one to really show us that this was a new genre and a new time. And so I think we're going to see that going forward, which I'm very excited about. Uh, but again, so I'm loving this show building and building and building and so i actually will give this a slightly higher um rating than my last i'm gonna give this 4.6 struckers out of five nice. <laughs> very cool um yeah i like everything you guys just said right and and what i kind of talked about in the first episode like being on the edge of my seat as a marvel fan like digging into every line every moment uh the truman show vibes like I, i'm in love with that movie um and and i've heard really good things about pleasantville as well i'd, I'd want to watch that but um you know to to i think the attention to detail in the show is going to sneak up on us like i'm anticipating that we're gonna obviously we're gonna get surprises we're gonna be surprised but i i have a feeling that this is gonna be one of those shows that after we've seen the whole thing through that going back and re-watching it is going to be just as if not more enjoyable almost like a a Christopher Nolan movie um, where you can really see like, oh my gosh, they were alluding to that or they, you know. Um, and, yeah, that and might love- almost be the, sorry, not to cut you off, but that sorry. might almost be when it's fun to binge it. Yes. Right? Like Justin said, week to week is great because it'll give you time to sort of appreciate all the details. But then when it's all done, you can go back, watch it in like a five hour window and just see those details back to back to back to back and really see how they weave. Yeah. It's the way they're so doing good. it is great, yeah. I'm so stoked. And I love as the audience, like, that meta-narrative, right? Like, we get to experience and learn alongside our two main characters. Um, I think this episode does such a good job with its humor um, and its unsettling horror at the same time. And mm-hmm. I 
I, I think those two moments, the, the very last moments uh, on both sides, um, very juxtaposed as they are, those elevated the episode or the series for me after the first episode. So I think this is actually a step up from episode one, in my personal opinion. Um, so I'm going to give it four out of five Struckers. Um, so guys, at the end of every Watch Club episode, um, we like to give our thoughts and predictions as to where we think the series is going and where it's going to go, as I mentioned. Um, so for this Watch Club series, you know, in our last Watch Club series, we did The Mandalorian. We, we talked about what is the way. Um, and for this Watch Club series, I want to know, What's the vision? <laughs> so, Kevin, what's the vision? <laughs> um, uh, again, as a very casual Marvel fan in terms of, you know, the greater canon of everything, um, I'm very it's it's fun to just like take me away and, and tell me a story. I don't know. I really have no idea where it's going to go. That's why I'm getting so much enjoyment out of it. Um like, I mean, anybody who listened to our Mandalorian uh, watch clubs will know that I, I wasn't giving huge scores to most episodes of that show. And that's because mm -hmm. I honestly think this show is better already than Mandalorian, just because mm -hmm. while we don't know what the, the overall plot is, you can see that there is going to be a weaving plot through every episode and everything's building off of itself. And so, again, while I don't know where it's going, I'm excited by that. And so I really enjoy it. Um, but so instead of sort of trying to predict, because I don't know anything, um, where the show's going to go, I will say that I think the two shows that I can see them sort of getting their early to mid-70s vibe for this third episode will be, uh, will either be All in the Family. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so you can even see like an intro where Wanda's sitting at the piano, yeah, and, they're or, the piano. and they're playing the song and singing it. That'd be great. And, you know, and she's maybe a bit more vision, you know, naggy yeah. a bit, you know, as he's sitting in a recliner. Or you <laughs> might get a very fun Brady Bunch opening and, you know, you know yep. here's a sorceress and a robot oh, named Vision, so you know, so I yeah. could just see one of those two maybe being the intro. And so that's almost going to be one of the things I'm most excited about is to see not just the Easter eggs from the Marvel universe, but also from pop culture throughout the decades. Yeah. It's it's well, such a already, fun mix of both. Yeah, and they've already said that there's going to be a homage to Full House and and stuff. Oh like yeah, that, like so. the, 90s the '90s are going to the yeah. '80s will be fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I maybe not Cosby Show, but uh, wholesome family thing from the '80s. But then yeah, you'll mm -hmm. get that cool family in the 90s and i'm yeah again i'm just that's one of the things i'm most excited moving forward you're, you're, is to see what you're, they you're a tv buff you're the tv buff of the i, that, of, I'm of a, group, I, so. I, I love my tv and tv history and so it's it's a really fun that's my easter egg almost that i'm yeah. getting out of the episodes very cool justin what's the vision well i think definitely the vision is to pay respect and and love to to the history of television sitcoms and and the iconic uh, the iconography of a family television while also uh you know screwing with the idea of uh dismantling you know dreams dismantling illusions uh understanding what is real and what is not um and what you know what's at the source of that um you know to kevin's point about where will the story go? I, I've kind of uh, like expressed like f certain sort of references that have stood out that lead me to believe that these characters could be in there. But as Kevin was saying, th this is what's great about Marvel is that you can really think about it and, and break it down from the Easter eggs, but they can go in any direction, right? Like, you know, yeah. the, it could just be lines that I've, I've heard that insinuate this, but who knows? 
it's probably nothing, right? Um, Star Wars, you know, obviously Star Wars lends itself because it has that built into it where people are always just anticipating what is going to happen in that galaxy and they want to theorize and, and go, oh yeah, this is where they're going in this. I think with Marvel, because they are so good at what they do and they've been doing it better than Star Wars, in my opinion, they mix their overall genre with other genres to tell new stories and it's it's meant to feel different from one another. There's intention yeah. to that. There's intention yeah. to wanting, you know, this series to be different from the Loki series or the Winter Soldier Falcon series. Like, there is intention behind everything they do, and we've seen it in the cinematic movies that they've done. So now to see them kind of entering this with 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 uh, Disney Plus, it's exciting. This is really exciting. Like these first two episodes to me were like were really bold takes to say we're getting weird. Yeah. We're getting I, super weird. So uh, I'm I'm on the I'm in for the ride. That's that's essentially it. Like I'm 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 interested to see what things they unravel throughout and where what direction. But I, I don't know. Hypothesizing it's like, you know I got some hypotheses. Oh uh, no, I, I, I'm sure I, you do, yeah. If I'm to make a prediction, um my my what's the vision is <laughs> that's the best I got. Um I really think that these moments where the simulation breaks you know, these are all happening due to S.W.O.R.D. interfering with the state that Wanda's in, um, where she's partially in control of it. And I think that this is a race between S.W.O.R.D. and Agnes and Mephisto to get to Wanda um, mm-hmm. and, and either rescue her or control her. Um, yes. I think these episodes taking place in the early 60s. And then, our, of course, the next episode that we have, episode three, is going to be in color. Um, so that's going to be our 70s episode. Four is going to be 80s. Five is going to be 90s. Six is going to be 2000s. And Kevin, um, I'm predicting, and I I don't know if I read this, so I don't know if it's a fair prediction, but I think it's modern family themed, which is going to be amazing. Oh, like, wow. If yeah, they find is, a way to yeah. like fill Dunphy's vision, I will be so well, happy. Well, yeah, about and that. even even if it's mockumentary style. Right. Well, they, they've already sense. shown, yeah. They Did showed they show a clip clips from, from the trailer in the okay. trailer because the trailer has a montage and there's a <laughs> shot where someone like deciphered it and says, this is probably the modern family. Modern version, family episode. Where she's sitting on a chair and the camera like oh, zooms in so and like, good. you know, she's talking. She's giving like a testimonial. So I think that's 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 fair. Fair to say that that's going to pop up. Well, because I think, right, with episode six being in the 2000s, seven, eight, and nine are going to be back-to-back in our reality, the things that are, maybe maybe we even see a helicopter, you know, crash into wherever wherever she is, and that's the helicopter. We see, you know, um, uh, Monica Rambeau go into the simulation of some kind, and then we see her at the, 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 the planning committee, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I could see Dottie, like, walking around in the background, like, as a, as a sword agent operative. Um, I think it'd be really cool, because I think Marvel really hit it out of the park with the Seth self-referential storytelling in Endgame. And I think that they're going to really hammer that home in not only this series, but like in 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 series like Loki and, and what have you, right? So I think that way of storytelling where they kind of have the opportunity to say, okay, here's the story so far, cut back, and now you're seeing the rest of this, or you're seeing those moments take place on the outside world with episode nine being obviously our finale. Hopefully we get Wanda maybe back in our reality or maybe in another reality with uh, Dr. Strange. But um, yeah, that is my prediction for what's the vision. Well, that's it, you guys. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us where you like to listen to podcasts. Um, make sure to tune in next week to hear our thoughts on episode four. Um, and uh, and if you have any thoughts on, you know, 
different what's the vision ideas that you have or if you have any thoughts on the the show overall um feel free to to you know reach out to us through a static radio uh or more traditional sense uh through email justin how can they they reach out to us again they can reach us at we are geekcentric at gmail.com that's we are geekcentric at gmail.com um, and also, if you don't know, we have more than just Watch Club. Um, we also have our regular episode of the Geek Centric Podcast uh, with our first episode of Season 3 out very soon. So be sure to, uh, to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to follow us wherever you can. Justin, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for today's Watch Club. And as we say, WandaVision! WandaVision! <laughs>